Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Isaiah. The Old Testament passage of Isaiah and I, excuse me, Isaiah and chapter number 55. Isaiah and chapter number 55. We're continuing with our series of the Millennial Kingdom. And as we're starting to describe what the Millennial Kingdom is like, we want to take a pause and be able to explain the Millennial Kingdom, but we also want to see how it reflects to us now. We've been studying quite a bit about the thousand-year reign of Christ that we believe that Jesus Christ, the historical Jesus who died on the cross, will come back literally, he will come back physically, and he will come back to rule and reign for 1,000 years and establish an earthly kingdom. And during that time, things will be completely different. It will be a wonderful time of peace. It will be a wonderful time where God establishes Garden of Eden conditions. It will be a wonderful time that if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you get to go to that same place and be with Christ for a thousand years. Then afterward would be eternity future and what we properly call heaven. But we have a lot of good things up in our future to look forward to. As for now, look with me in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 55. Isaiah and chapter number 55. And if you don't mind, notice with me in Isaiah 55 and verse number 1. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money... Come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which is satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that you... Eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and I and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that knowest thou not. And nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the upright, uh, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts for as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but the watereth the earth, and maketh it 
bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name. An, for an everlasting sign that it shall, that it shall not be cut off and if you don't mind we'd like to explain that as the bible talks about the millennial kingdom in the last couple verses that we don't have to wait till then but we can rejoice now and so if you don't mind i'd like to preach a message here about why we can rejoice now why we can rejoice now if you don't mind let's go to the lord together let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, I'm asking that you would open up this scripture in a special way. That as we open up the Bible and get discernment, as we open up the Bible and see the wonderful glories up in the millennial kingdom and through this series. But that we could also take time to say, not only can we rejoice then, but we could rejoice now for some amazing reasons that we could study. Lord, I need you. I need you to work. I need you to fill me with your spirit. And that you would order my thoughts. Order my ambitions. Order my words. Order everything to come out. That it would be pleasing to you. Surrendered to you. Selected by you. And that we could all see. Why we could rejoice now. And we could praise your name. And see what a great God that you are. Lord I recognize I need you. Just do your own work. Through your precious word today. In Jesus name. Amen. In Isaiah 55, especially as we start in verse number 12, it is dealing with the idea of the millennial kingdom. Very clearly, it's explaining that in the millennial kingdom, that all of nature, all of the world, will be praising God and rejoicing God. Notice the language that is used in verse number 12. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all of the trees of the field shall clap their hand. It's dealing with a picture here that, hey, in the millennial kingdom, everything is going to praise God. Everything is going to rejoice God. Everything here is going to point out to say, what great of God that we have. Verse 13, instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. And instead of the briar shall come forth the myrtle tree. Even the plants will be different. The, the, the plants will be at a thing that it's not harmful, but it's going to be a wonderful thing. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time explaining the millennial kingdom in here, but we do understand that this is a millennial kingdom passage. But in this text, not only does it describe why things are going to rejoice during the millennial kingdom, but we also have an understanding of why we can rejoice Right now, if you don't mind, I'd like to take Isaiah 55 and I'd like to explain three different reasons why we can rejoice right now and don't have to wait to the millennium. The first thing I'd like to point out to you is that his salvation is free. 
His salvation is free. Notice with me in verse number 1. In Isaiah 55 in verse number 1. It gives a, a great scene. As it describes the Lord's salvation. Ho everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money. Come ye buy and eat. Yea come buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. Here it's speaking about the world's greatest sell. That everyone that can't afford the prices, everyone that can't buy anything, you come and see for yourself. Now, if we're going to put things in its context, we have to understand the verses and the chapters that come before this. That we start with Isaiah 53, this great passage, that he was wounded for our transgressions. For our, Notice with me, if you don't mind, Isaiah 53. Notice what it says, Isaiah 53, as it talks about who Jesus is. In verse number 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Here in Isaiah 53 it's talking about the future uh, price that Jesus Christ would pay and what a great price he did pay for us that Jesus Christ he was beaten on beating he was bruised he was whipped with a cat of nine tails that ripped his back he was crucified on the cross he bled for our sins for our transgressions for our iniquity he suffered all of this he paid our price he paid a gruesome price on the cross of calvary he paid an awful price that day to buy us something he's the one that paid the price and we could see isaiah 53 it describes that price now what we see in this marketplace of love is that in Isaiah 53, we can see what the price was. Imagine if you wouldn't mind to go to a big fancy store. Maybe you're in Paris, maybe you're in New York, maybe you're in Rodeo Drive, wherever you're at these great marketplaces. And can you imagine window shopping? Looking at a place where you make sure that you put your hands in your pocket so you don't break anything and don't buy it. And you look at all these wonderful things. You look at all the clothes and you look at the rings. You can almost imagine a, a young couple who is uh, getting ready to get married. And they go ring shopping and she's looking at all the different diamonds and looking at all the rings. And it's all great until you look at the price tag. And then you say, well, maybe I could go to the local 7-Eleven and get her a Cracker Jack box. At least I know what... That would cost me. I know I could at least afford that. But you look at those things. You start window shopping. And window shopping you look at all the things you can't afford. And you just look. It's like window shopping. You know what it cost for <coughs> us to go to heaven? It cost quite a bit. It is a bigger price tag than any of us could ever afford. You know what we deserve for our sins? We deserve the cross of Calvary. We deserve the beatings. We deserve the stripes. We deserve to be nailed to the cross. We deserve God to turn his back. And to forsake us and to leave us. That's what we deserve. And that is a price tag that none of us can afford. We look at that price tag. And we step back and say I can't afford this. I cannot pay this price that is owed. That is something I cannot do. But Jesus paid that price. Notice with me as we go to the next chapter. Isaiah 
54, that Isaiah 53 was where window shopping, we look at this big price tag of what it cost for salvation. Isaiah 53, as we continue to walk through, we see an amazing thing. Notice with me Isaiah 54. Notice with me 7 and 8. For a small moment, I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies, I will gather thee. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Here in Isaiah 54, it shows the mercy and love of God. And with this mercy and love, it's again a price tag. It's something we can't afford. What would you pay for God's love? If God said, here, you could take this love, what price could you offer for God's mercy? What price could you offer that? Well, that's more than we could pay. We cannot pay the price for salvation. We cannot pay the price for God's love. We cannot pay the price for God's mercy. All we see is as we're window shopping is that that would be nice, but we can't afford it. We look at this. We can't afford it. Look at this. That I can't, I can't even imagine affording it. But then we come to Isaiah 55, which is a continuation of what God has already been explaining. And now he wraps it up. Notice with me Isaiah 55 verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. Notice this. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You know what we have is... The world's greatest sale. That is you go through and you're looking and say. I, there's that salvation. I can't pay the price. I can't pay the price for my sin. I can't afford it. I can't afford God's mercy. I, there's nothing I can do to earn God's love. There's nothing I can do to get God. To get me his mercy. I can't afford the price. And then we step in and you have the guy that says, come on in, come eat bread, come drink. Anyone who thirsteth, come on in. Anyone that hungereth, come on in. And you look and say, before I go in, what's the price tag? Where's the menu things? What's the price? What does what it cost? Eat for free. Enjoy for free. Everything that you saw in the window, you come in and you enjoy it without money, without price. You understand God's salvation, it's free. That's one of the reasons why we could rejoice is because of what God has done for us. The price tag is for free. We can never pay the debt. We can never pay the present expense. We can never invest for tomorrow to, keep, to earn all of the stuff, to keep all the stuff. You cannot pay enough money to the church to go to heaven. You cannot do enough good deeds to make God happy enough with you to go to heaven. There's nothing you could do to get the forgiveness of your sins. There's nothing. It is outside of your control. But the good news is, and why we could rejoice now, is that God's salvation is free. Come and buy without price. Come and taste and see Oh, everyone that thirsteth, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, 
Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Verse number two. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good. And let your soul delight in fatness. Here it says, hey, you can't afford this on your own. You can't afford Forgiveness of your sins. You can't pay this on your own. You cannot do anything to earn God's love. There's nothing you can do to get God to say, I'll give you his grace for free, uh, with price. But God offers all of it for free. It costs Jesus a great price to give us salvation. But God offers it to us for free. You know, an amazing thing is that USA Today many years ago did a survey to the top 1% of wealth in our country. The top 1% of wealth. Now, what do you have to do be to be the top 1% of wealth in our country? Well, that you have to either earn a quarter of a million dollars every year, or you have to be worth $2.5 million already. So they went and surveyed those people who are the top 1% of wealth in our country, and they said, what would you do? What if... what?" thing could you buy either real or imagined if you could what would you buy with your money if you were able to they gave 10 answers i'll give you the top five out of the all asking the top one percent of the wealth of the world uh, or of america what would you do what could you buy if you could with money well number five was eternal youth they would average a price they would give $259,000 if they could have eternal youth. Number four was talent. If I could spend money to get talent, I would buy it. And they'd be willing to buy it for $285,000. Number three would be great intellect. If I could give money to be a great intellect, to have the mind, to, to process, to have that, I'd be willing to pay four hundred and seven. Thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Number two on the list would be true love. If I could have money to buy anything in the world, I'd buy true love. And they'd be willing to pay $487,000. But out of the survey of the top 1% of the world, they asked them and surveyed if you could buy anything with your money, what would you buy and how much would you be willing to pay for it? Number one on the list, high, far above everything else, would be this. They would buy, with their money, if they were able to, to buy a place in heaven. This is what the top 1% of the world said. And they would be willing to pay, uh, as an average, they took all the numbers and averaged out, $640,000. They'd be willing to pay that if they could be guaranteed a place in heaven. You understand that's a pretty hefty price tag. If we were just to use their price tag. And go off the market of supply and demand. And we look in the window. And God said here is eternal life. All you have to pay is a low payment. Of $604,000. Most of us. All we could do is window shopping. And we'd have to go on. Saying I'd like to have that. I wish I could have that. But there's no way I could afford it. But the one thing that is great for us is that salvation is free. 
that God opens up the doors and says, you don't have to pay a single thing. Anyone who thirsteth, come on in. Anyone who's hungers, you come on in. You eat, you buy. It's all for free. One of the reasons why we don't have to wait to the millennium to rejoice, but why we could rejoice right now is salvation is free. Salvation is free. There's a second reason why we could rejoice right now. Not only is salvation for free, but we also understand his mercy is for me. His mercy is for me. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number six. Matthew, uh, Isaiah chapter 55 in verse number six. It says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. One of the other things that God has says that we could rejoice right now is because his mercy is for me. That now is the time to seek the Lord. Notice again verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You know God is offering mercy to you right here and now. There are some people that say well I'll serve him later. I'll come to him later. Right now I just want to live my life. But the Bible says call upon him now while he may be found. Call upon him now now, while he is near, now is the time to come to God. Now is the time to get the repentance. Now is the time to come and get the forgiveness that he offers. Verse number seven, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, the Bible says in verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he is near, while he may be found. The Bible here, this is why we give an invitation. We want people to respond now, not later. We want people to respond now while he is calling, while he is moving. You know, you understand that if you put it off, it may be too late. Now is the time he's calling. Now is the time he's offering the gift. Now is the time he's offering that forgiveness. You can come to him now for anything. One of the wonderful things about the Bible... Is that, notice this phrase at the end of verse 7. For he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Not just a little bit, but he will abundantly pardon. That you could go to God for anything. And you could go to him and get forgiveness. That you could repent and change and say, God, I need you. Lord, I changed my mind. I see what you say about my sin. I'm coming to you. That anyone, you understand that you, anyone, no matter what you have done, you can go to God and receive mercy. At any time you could turn to God and say, God, I'm coming home. God, I need you. That's a wonderful thing about God. First John 1 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That we can go to God at any time and he will give us mercy. Mercy. You understand that we as Christians, we still have the ability to sin. And sometimes we let the sin stack up and stack up and stack up. And sometimes we can do some pretty horrible things. But the good news is, is that we can go to God. And we can go to God right now. And he will abundantly pardon. 
His mercy is for me. His mercy is for me. No wonder the, we sing the song. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. <clears throat> it talks about they're buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall sing eternally. Praise God. My sins are G-O-N-E gone. You know what God does with your sins according to the Bible? He takes your sins when you come up to him and you say, God, I need your mercy. He says, I'll take those sins and I'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. If you took a globe, you could take the globe and you could go north, north, north until you're finally going south, south, south. But for a globe to go east and west, you could go west, 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 and you'll never run into east. You could go the other way and go east, 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 and never run into west. That what has happened is that they're so infinitely set apart. He cast your sins afar away from you as the east is from the west. They never meet. You know, the Bible says he buries them in the deepest sea. You could take a submarine and go to the deepest part of the ocean, which if I understand right is the Peruvian Trench, which goes about 14,000 feet below sea level. If I remember right, that you could place Mount Everest, our tallest mountain, in it, and it still would be covered with a mile full of water. And you could go take a submarine and find one that could last that deep. And go down and say, look at the little mounds and say, that's my sin down there. It's buried. No one's going to find it. No one can go down there. It is gone. Oh, why can we rejoice right now? His mercy is for me. That he gives you mercy and he's able to take your sins. And he's able to wash you clean. He's able to take it far away from you so it's no longer hanging on you. That we understand why can we rejoice now? Well, first of all, because his salvation is for free. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to earn for earn it. It is free. He offers it free to anyone. It is a free gift of God. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he offers us that free gift, that salvation is free. But not only is salvation free, but he said his mercy is for me. That we at any time go up to God as he's calling us, as he's pointing out that we did wrong. We could go up to him and say, God, forgive me. God, I was wrong. I messed up. And he will abundantly pardon. And he will cast your sins as far as the east from the west. He'll bury it in the deepest sea. He'll take it far from you. That's a reason why we could rejoice right now. But there's a third reason in the word of God here in Isaiah 55 of why we don't have to wait to the millennial to be able to rejoice. We could rejoice now because his salvation is for free. We could rejoice now because his mercy is for me. But we could also rejoice because of this. God's word never fails. God's word never fails. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 8. Isaiah 55 in verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. What we see in verse 8 is we see the authority of God's words. You know one of the things that we see here is that the Bible, God's word, they're his thoughts, not my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. By the way, we believe that God's word is his thoughts. That when you open up the Bible, you open up the mind of God. 
And what we're doing now is we're seeing what God is thinking about in Isaiah 55. This is his thoughts. This is his ways. By the way, this is why it makes us very uncomfortable when people start changing the Bible. Because this is God's words, not our words. This is God's words. This is why when a new translation comes out, it makes us very, very nervous. Because you understand they're messing with God's thoughts. This is God's thoughts, not man's thoughts. And his ways are higher than our ways. He knows what he's doing. God is smart enough to give us the exact words that he wants us to have. And it is his authority that this Bible comes with God's authority. And God's word will never fail. Not only the authority of God's word, but we also understand the magnitude of God's word. Notice with me in verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you understand that God thinks differently than you do? Aren't you glad that God thinks differently than we do? How many people know that there's someone lucky to be alive. Because you can't cast lightning. You understand, God sees the whole picture. We only see a small picture. There's many times we're in a situation and, and we guess what is right. and We try to figure out what's right. But we don't have enough information that later on we see that God fills in the rest of the information. We go, oh, now we understand. You know, God's ways are higher than our ways. The magnitude of it. God sees the whole picture. He knows what he's doing. He knows what is necessary. He knows how to put the things in our path to bring us to where we're supposed to be. The thing that you think is an obstacle, the thing that gets you grumpy, may be the very thing that was put in your life to make you more like God. God knows what he's doing. He's that smart. He knows more than we do. His highs are higher, ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He knows exactly what he is doing. That when God gives his word, he's able to do so because he knows all the information. He knows what he is talking about. He sees everything. It is higher. We know that God's word never fails and we can see that the authority of God's word. We understand the magnitude of God's word. Oh, but a wonderful thing, the effect of God's word. Notice with me in verse number 10. Notice as it gives word pictures here. It gives illustrations to try to get us to understand what God's word does. Notice verse 10. For as the rain cometh down. You know, the Bible is, comes from God's mouth. And it gives this illustration that it's like the rain that comes down. And washes it all away. You know what the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. That we are washed by the water of his word. That God washes us clean by his word. That God's word does a work in someone's life. That as we give the word of God. That it's just not the pastor's spit spraying all over the place. It's God's word that washes us. It's God's word that will trickle down and wash the things away. Notice this other picture in verse 10. For as the rain cometh down. And as the snow from heaven. Oh there's a... It's nothing like a brand new snow that it's all beautiful white, just clear white. And God's snow comes down and it is pure. It is wonderful. That's God's word is it comes down and it covers everything. In Wisconsin, you understand in Tennessee, this doesn't get across that much. But God's snow, it covers everything. And isn't it beautiful when that first snow comes and it covers everything and it's crisp and it's clean? That's what God's word does. Notice once again another word picture illustration verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither. You know what happens? Is that when it rains the water comes down and it doesn't bounce back up and then goes back up to heaven. 
It doesn't snow in reverse. It doesn't snow up. When the water comes down, it stays down. It doesn't return. So what happens to the water? What happens to the snow when it melts? Well, we understand when it melts in the water, it's going to seep into the ground. Notice verse 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. You know what the water does is that it soaks into the earth. And it does a work while it's soaking into the earth. That what it's doing is it's going to the seeds that's in the earth. And begins to water them. So they eventually can blossom and gloom. Bloom. You know many of us did the leaf experiments. We'll take a little uh, seed and we'll put it in the dirt. And you'll water it. And you remember as a little kid you'd look at it every day. Where's it at? Where's it at? You know I don't see anything growing. And you added water to it. You know what you're doing? You're trusting that the water is doing its work and it's getting to the seed. It's making the soil so it's ready to grow. It's doing something underneath the soil that you cannot see, but it is doing a work. And you know what happens eventually? Is that God's word will do its own work and that seed will spring forth and it will do its work. It comes later. You know, remember as a little kid, you're watching it, and you're looking every day. How come the seed's not coming out? Is it dead? What's going on to it? Where's it at? We are trusting that the water is doing its work. That's what God's word, it's giving illustration. It is water that it goes through and it could wash people clean. The water, uh, the, the word, it could make it like snow and cover things. But the water will also go down and it will do a work Even if we don't see it right away, it does its work. Notice with me in verse number 10. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, make it forth, uh, bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, so God is doing a comparison from verse 10 to verse 11. So shall my word be that that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. You know, it's amazing what God's word will do. You can have someone that sits in church for a long time, and the preaching goes forth, and God's word comes forth. And finally, after a while, it cracks. And someone said, I just needed to be soaked in it for a while. God's word will work. That's why we like young kids inside of the church. And love to get them underneath the preaching of God's word. And let them soak it up. Because God said, his word will not return void. Every time it goes out, God's word is trying to accomplish something. It is never wasted time. Never wasted time for God's word to go forth like it should. You know, we may have some services where we say, well, nothing really happened that day. Let me tell you, those are the days that God is doing an amazing work that no one's seeing. That God's word is getting in. It's soaking. It's permeating. You know, some people will respond right away and some people need to soak in it for a while. Some people will end up meditating. God won't let it let it go in them. And they're thinking about it. And God's word will not return void. That's a promise. Does, can God lie? No. He said it will not return void. It will not come back to me not doing what I want it to do. It shall accomplish. It shall accomplish that which I please. 
You know, every time God's word goes out, we may not see what God is doing with it, but God is doing something with his word. And sometimes it may take a while to watch it work, but it will. That's why the Bible uses the same phraseology with the Apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians, where he said, I planted. He did his part. Apollos, he watered. But God brought the increase. What happened? Paul did the important part. He planted. But he didn't see the crop. He didn't see what it came from. Apollos came through and he watered it with the word of God. And he didn't see it come out. But they were, both of them were trusting God's word will do its own work. And eventually it sprung forth. It was God that brought the increase. God is doing his own work. We're just being faithful stewards. That's why when we're passing out all these John and Romans. And we're passing them all throughout. Whether we're in Seymour, Oneida, Green Bay. We're passing them all out. You know what? God's word will not return void. We may not see it immediately. But God's word's doing its work. You may witness to a family member. You may give them a track. And they look at this and say, what is this? Trust that God's word is soaking. That God's word is doing something. That God underneath the surface, they may not say it, but God's word is doing its work. We can believe it. This is a promise. God's word will not return void. It is never wasted time to witness to your folks. It is never wasted time to pass out a track. It is never wasted time to pass out a John and Roman. It is never wasted time to show up in church where the Bible is being preached. Never wasted time. That God is always getting his word accomplished. He is soaking it. He is working it. And the more that people are underneath the water of God's word. The more that we can expect that God's doing more and more and more. Why can we rejoice now? Because his salvation is for free. Why can we rejoice now? His mercy is for me. Why can we rejoice now? God's word Never fails. We could rejoice now because God is a wonderful God. And he's got all these things for me. I can have salvation because he's offered it freely. I can never pay for it on my own. He has given it to me. Anytime that I need mercy and I mess up, I could run to God and he will abundantly pardon I could rejoice because every time I give out God's word, I may not see the result instantly, but I know that it will not return void and it will accomplish that which God has sent it forth. I can trust that every track that I give, that God is working in that person's life. Every time that I witness to someone, it is not wasted time. Every time I show up and people are falling asleep when I'm preaching, it is still not wasted time. God Get, will get his word accomplished. His work accomplished through his precious word. God will not let it return void. I can have confidence that this Bible will get its work accomplished. That's why I could rejoice right now. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.